All right. What's up, everyone out there? Uh, this is Andy, <laughs> uh, and welcome to another episode of Recovery Friends Podcast. Um, real quick about the podcast. This is a podcast where people who are in active recovery from addiction share their unique experience um, in hopes that somebody out there, anybody out there in active addiction can maybe hear these stories um, and possibly find hope for their own recovery. We are not affiliated or do we speak for any 12-step programs or any other addiction or recovery-based entity. Uh, the words spoken here reflect the experience of our guests and not the opinion of their chosen path to recovery. Um, and today, tonight, this evening, we have a friend of mine, <laughs> uh, Naylin, is on the show today. You want to start that, st that timer now? All right, all right. No. Start. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, I was trying to think just now, because I usually share, like, my first experience with the person or, or, or yeah. like, a, like a, a little, a, like, some, like, a bit about my my first opinion about him or but i don't remember our first interaction that's that basically sums up my life <laughs> most people don't, I don't remember, remember their first interaction it's, a, it's not it's not very memorable right. <laughs> i just like a pair is like he's yeah you've been around i don't yeah. know when I, <laughs> like, that's how i just, <laughs> just showed up my bike shop one day yeah. <laughs> he needed his bike fixed and, and i don't all. mean that in a, a, a negative context but no we met somewhere where did we meet you do you remember us meeting for the first time i mean that's like most people i see him around at meetings and yeah. things and then just slowly i mean i've just that really is how most people would describe their first interaction with me is like I don't know. Like you were I, just, I looked just, up and you were there, yeah, was there. and I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and then slowly this gets closer. And becomes I, lo I looked up, you were there, but then I had the strange sense that you had been there all along. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> just a, I'm a ninja. That's what it is. A ninja. Yeah. Um, a lot of people will sometimes mistaken me for you. you uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And then I'll be like, Oh, I'm not that guy. Like you must be talking about bike because you know ride a bike uh -huh. and like <laughs> had a beard sometimes and i'm like nah that's not me so what, what do they say they just ask me bike questions if i can come by the shop and uh, get it fixed uh, that's <laughs> great that's not me <laughs> no that's not me one of these days i'm just gonna play along and see yeah. how long i can go with it dude you could probably you probably know more about bikes than i do maybe <laughs> Maybe shout out to uh, <laughs> shout out to my homie out there. <laughs> yeah, Zach. Hey, I'm still hitting him up for questions. You know, <laughs> bike Zach. Shout out. I still hit him up. For, yeah. he, he's my uh, bike sponsor. I actually think that's how we the first. I'd seen you, but I think the first one, of the first interactions we had was I just got into biking, and um, we were like fellowshipping after a meeting uh -huh. and, uh, after uh, after um, carrier pigeons, and I was with. Um, Zach and he was like, "Hey, doesn't this helmet, his helmet, look good on his head?" Talking about me, uh -huh. and you're like, "Yeah, I think it does." And I was like, "Yes, uh, awesome." It was a helmet he gave you, or something? no? It was just a, a helmet I bought, just a regular helmet, you know. And, he, um, and I love helmets. <laughs> I'm all about safety, bike safety, everybody. That's good. Wear yeah. a helmet. Wear a helmet for yeah, sure. Absolutely. I always uh, tell people to wear helmets, and then you don't. Sometimes, and I'm like, if, and if I don't wear one, I'm like, I'm afraid somebody's gonna see me yeah. and then say that fraud yeah 
Look at that guy. I'm going to say that the next <laughs> time you're speaking and I ask a question. Hey, how important do you think your life is that now that you're sober <laughs> that you ride around the city without wearing a bike helmet? Uh, and I'll <clears> lie, obviously. <throat> right. I say, I always wear a helmet. You know, <laughs> I'll pull out the evidence. <laughs> not a picture of me. Yeah, yeah no, I'm always, I, I always feel it's weird because I'm not. But so like the main reason why I wear a helmet is more so that people won't like give see me shit give me shit <laughs> yeah, right. because what, because i'm a bike shop owner that's the only reason i mean that's like in, i feel like i should in reality the only reason we do anything is so people don't give a shit about it right that's i mean the reason that's that, it right that's it i think somebody was telling me just that like in in the northeast there's a friend of mine who, from brooklyn and she was like in new york if you didn't wear a helmet you would get shamed you would get you would get to, like people would like mess with you big time and, it's like, and, and so people wear their helmets. Right. And down here, it's so uncool mm -hmm. yeah. that people are going to give you shit for wearing your helmet so yeah. people don't wear right. them. Right, right. <laughs> so you want to be look at that nerd with a helmet on there caring about his uh, safety, <laughs> about his, his brain life. safety. <laughs> yeah. God. Oh, disgusting. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that was the first interaction. And since then, we've, uh, you know, got closer. Since yeah. Then, so. Yeah, I really enjoy your uh, visits down here. Yeah, it's awesome. It's cool. I hang out at a bike shop. Talk some bike. Talk yeah. some. Drink some Spro. Yeah. Drink some Spro. Some Topo. <laughs> Shout out Topo Chico. Yeah. Our sponsor. Keeping us. No. <laughs> right. I think it, you can't actually say something's your sponsor if it's not, right? So we're going to find out. <laughs> I don't let's, think. Let's see. They're going to send a season. I don't think I'm, I, I'm, I'm relevant enough for them to come yeah. down on me for saying that. You know, I've tagged Topo Chico in some Instagram posts and I got a like. So. From them? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's probably the highlight of my life. So if I just say hashtag Topo Chico, is that, will that show up in the Well, you can like add them as a friend and tag them in the oh. picture. <laughs> I would do it. I mean, it's I've a, I, 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 I tag hack. I tag Topo on a lot. Of, remember, I had like I, for there was a period yeah, where I yeah. was like I was like Topo heavy on yeah. my Instagram posts. I got one and uh, I had my dog in it too, Pepper. So <laughs> maybe they may be liking Pepper, not me. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't in the picture. I'm sure they liked you. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. Fingers crossed. So, anyways, so what about uh, what about alcoholism <laughs> right, <laughs> or drug addiction? Right. You got, so, you got, can you got anything to say about that? I do. I actually do uh -huh. a lot. So, um, I guess it's time to start it, huh? Yeah, just um, go ahead and start saying whatever. So, um, I've only listened to one podcast of yours. I'm gonna be real with you. Thank and you. And it was like three hours ago, and only listened <laughs> to the first fifteen minutes. Okay. And uh, in it. Um, the person you had on said that most people start with where they were born. So that's where I'm going to start mm -hmm. the logical place. Um, but it has a big, you know, it actually has a big impact on, um, what I think is a big impact on what kind of caused or led me down the, the path of, um, using substances to, to feel better and to fit in. I was born overseas. I was born in, uh, in Fiji and, um, born in Fiji. Uh, I am, um, of Indian descent and uh, being born in a country that wasn't my own um, country, right? And uh, that wasn't something that I really connected the dots, obviously, you know, at that at that age. But later on and, 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 and reflecting on my story, I feel like it has a lot to do with, like, what drove me the way I went. Um, so even, like, I think at a young age, without even knowing it and not even remembering too much about mm -hmm. my, my childhood... Um, this idea of not fitting in because I, I didn't fit in because I didn't like yeah. I wasn't my country of origin like that wasn't where I was from right you know um, so you you 
you, so you're saying you don't know, you don't necessarily remember feeling that? Uh, no, you know, I, um, so my childhood, early childhood, I don't have many memories. You know, my first memories start popping up when I moved to America when I was 10 years old. And, and by the time I was 10 years old, I had lived, America was the third country I lived in. Yeah. So again, following that whole, like the, the idea, um, like not being in a place that is your place, right? Yeah. Like um, it's like staying at a friend's house, you don't have your home of your own, right? Um, so like moving to America is really when the um, when the realization of like, well, this isn't like uh, like I'm different, you know? Yeah. Though I grew up in the Bay Area, um, very diverse. I'm lucky to have grown up there. Um, in terms of the diversity, there was still something different about me, right? Like when I moved there. I had a, uh, a cool, super cool New Zealand accent, but all the kids made fun of me. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know, I was a kid, right? I didn't think that if I kept that accent, <laughs> I'd be the coolest guy. Everyone would remember no, me in AA. I mean, right now, you'd be like the coolest. Yeah. You'd definitely oh, remember man. the first time you met me, yeah, right? Yeah. Everyone would. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Except you got this generic American shit happening. No, yeah, you know? fucking sound like, <laughs> people are going to think, like, who's this white kid talking on, on the radio? <laughs> No, it's so funny because that's very sim. I mean, I, very similar to my story because yeah. I mean, I'm. Uh, we were in Guatemala for the first twelve years of my life, yeah. but while in Guatemala, I always felt like I was the gringo, mm, right? Because my dad was American, yeah, and and we always, and we came from like a weird background too. But then when and then so I always felt different there. But then when we moved here. I was the you know. People called me like racist names. They called me wetback spick, <laughs> right. you know. And and <laughs> Yo, kids are fucked up, man. <laughs> All yeah. those kids listen. Fuck you guys. <laughs> and like, and they would say it, and I don't know that they realize how like harmful right. stuff right. like that is. You know, the kids, yeah. you know, heard those words from their parents, right. and so I, I got a lot of that. So I mean, I definitely was made was ma was made very clear to me whenever I moved here specifically that I was different. Right, right, and you that's know. what it felt like. The it was very obvious that there was something different about me, and that's it was evident with the way I talked, um, even the way I looked. Though there was other people, my cousins lived here, and they kind of looked like me, but they also had different kind of a background story from them, right? So like, I um. One of the earliest memories of like being in America, I remember, um, and trying to be different, is the 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 changing of my the way I talked. So, um, trying to get rid of that accent, I would sit in front of the TV and try to talk like the American people on TV, mm -hmm. and that's why I have such a great like TV voice now. Yeah, is you could because, do the news. Yeah, that's because <laughs> that's how I learned how to speak American. <laughs> is to sit in front of the TV. And talk like they talk until mm -hmm. I didn't have an accent anymore. Wow! And like, and then I could you do a New Zealand accent? I can't now? even do one. Oh, that's so like I watched like Flight of the Concords and they got them and like New Zealand. Brett. That's all you got. <laughs> that's that's, really that's sad. it. That's it. I, I used to talk like that. Like, uh, for, I lived in New Zealand from the ages of three to ten. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, I didn't mention that. I, New Zealand was the other country that uh, yeah. I lived in. And um. Yeah, I'm still a New Zealand uh, citizen to this day. Well, I can't even talk like them. No. It's a fucking shame. Um, I should go back is what I <clears> – <throat> maybe that's the sign. Um, so, yeah, so early on, like the, this, these feelings of not fitting in, I was also a middle child, and I didn't look – I looked like my brothers, but I was the only one that had, like, glasses, bad vision. Uh, my hair parted 
differently than theirs did. Mm-hmm. Theirs parted in the middle, and they had those cool like middle parts. Oh yeah, those were those were hot in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. I had the side part, like no, a fucking nerd. That was lame. Yeah. That was so, so uh, <laughs> um, and you did you try to do the the middle part? It just didn't do it. It just wouldn't it. work. Oh, yeah, man. my my hair just didn't do that. Yeah. And I, uh, I had the middle part when I when I had hair, <laughs> I had a sick middle part. Uh, oh, fucking so jealous of those <laughs> fucking people. I still am. So I see some kid with a little like a middle part. I'm like, fuck you. Um, I don't because yeah. uh, that's mean. But I think it. Um, so the other. Um, so that was a big deal to me, like being the middle kid, um, not even fitting in in my family. So that became like more just hey you don't fit in you don't fit in you don't fit in um my brothers used to tease me and say i was adopted i'm sure a lot of families did that but they would point to these like differences and be like the the, the evidence here's the evidence obviously you're adopted because your hair doesn't even like like, even if it's a kid just being mean yeah it you start thinking maybe i am i wasn't i don't know (laughs) anything about science i don't know how this stuff works like why don't yeah. I, why doesn't my hair part this way? It's so funny. It seems like to be a common thing with like siblings. Oh my god, they're so mean. Like I mean, I was mean to my brothers too, but like I wouldn't say shit like that. Like that's crossing the line. And um, so that was kind of a, a theme early on, not fitting in. So again, like my big all throughout my childhood, it is just full of like me examples of me trying to fit in. Uh, it went from the way I looked. I tried to fit in by wearing baggy clothes in the early 90s uh, when I moved to America, like baggy jeans, right? Everyone was in like hip hop. So I wore like super baggy jeans. Um, I wore like Chicago Bulls. I had a Chicago Bulls jacket. Oh man, yeah. Right, it's fucking cool. Um, (laughs) I stopped wearing glasses. Cause it was like, you, you can't be cool with glasses. Look, no. we're talking about the early nineties, not 2019, no. where if you don't have glasses, you're kind of a nerd, right? <laughs> like all the cool people have glasses. You don't even need, they don't even have to yeah, see. They can like, see properly. With no prescription. Yeah, that's fraudulent behavior, right? <laughs> I hate that. And uh, so, I mean, I did everything I could to not fit in, right? I mean, to try to fit in. Yeah. Um, the, the music I listened to, I just kind of listened to all the music everyone else was listening to. I didn't really have... I remember early on, I didn't have like many of my own like likes, right? Like I just like what other people like because mm-hmm. I wanted them to like me. So to do so, I would have like what they liked, right? Yeah. That's the obvious thing to do. Um, the one thing I do remember that I did like and was the one thing I turned to as a way to escape was playing video games, right? Like I played a lot of video games. Um, that was my way of like tuning out and just like living in my own world, in my own fantasy world. I early on had a lot of like i spent a lot of time by myself um i didn't have like a ton of friends um my little brother who's two years younger than me somehow he went like the cool like he did a whole like all the gangster stuff too the baggy clothes and all that but it stuck like it worked (laughs) for him right and he was like cool and he was like i remember like he would like do like he'd get into trouble that kids get into trouble like like graffiti shit and like the place would be called and i was like fuck you're so cool <laughs> and like i'm at home like doing homework playing like fucking super mario brothers zelda. And I was like, zelda legend fuck, of zelda uh ocarani <laughs> o- what was it ocarina of time um i was at the name of it probably i, I hope so that. um i'm gonna get called out if that's not i don't know if it is or not but um <clears throat> so like i was like why can't i be cool my older brother was like really good looking um noticed the was He's not anymore because he's old. Um, but he like he got all the girls and like that was his thing. And like I just didn't like 
I didn't have a thing, right? I was just the middle kid that no one, even in my family, my extended family, people couldn't, like, they would think I was my older brother. And I'm like, nope. And I'm like, you're the little one. I'm like, nope. And they're like, and who are you? I'm like, nah. there's three of us. Like, I'm the middle, like, the other kid that they have. And yeah. I'm like, these things always, I felt like they always kept happening, right? Yeah. So a lot of this just kind of, I mean, all of this just. But it's also like, like whenever I'm already in that mind frame, I'm just looking for things right, to like validate that, that yeah. feeling. Right. And, the, and I, that's something I still struggle with today. But, you know, as a kid, not knowing what was happening, that was definitely what was happening. Yeah. Like, like, or, or just like that little, I don't remember our first interaction thing. <laughs> Right. Yep. right there it is yeah. right of course. of course of course of course he doesn't because i'm very I'm not memorable at all and he probably thinks i'm his, my older brother even though he doesn't <laughs> know that fucking guy so yeah that all like um kind of contributed towards the um towards this feeling of not fitting in right and i didn't know how to fit in and like so then what ended up happening was in high school, the same thing. I was starting to struggle in school, um, partly because I purposely purposely did poorly in school to, like, kind of go on, like, kind of try to do this, like, I'm a cool kid and I don't get good grades, right? Um, and I don't care. And I don't, you're right, you know, like, I don't care. I feel that, yeah, look at this. I got an F on this test. I could show that stuff mm. off, right? And, um, excuse me. And um, so... I was struggling. My parents wanted me to do well. I, you know, come from a, um, a pretty strict family where they expected the kids to do well. We had a lot of high expectations on us, um, but not much guidance. And I don't really, you know, I don't want to feel. I don't want sound like I'm blaming my parents because they were, did the best they could. You know, um, they were the. My parents were, if my math is right, probably around the same age I am right now when they had moved to their third country with three children. Wow. And I am uh, single, and I have a dog that I can't control because it's starting to bark at other dogs. And that's, yeah. like, what I'm struggling with, right? So It imagine, really puts things into perspective when you get to the age right. of uh, uh, of your parents, and you go, oh, wow, they're yeah. just idiots. Like, they're right. just idiots bumbling right. through life, just my, like me. I'm like, <laughs> I, I get upset at my dog because she barked at another yeah. dog today, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, you know better. And yeah. I think, like, whoa, like, imagine having a, uh, yeah. I was 10 when I moved here and, um, you know, eight, 10 and a 16 year old, yeah. right? Like that's insane. The fact that you all made it into adulthood <clears throat> alive. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Is a miracle. You know? <laughs> absolutely. And they were all still alive, yeah. you know, barely. Um, my older brother and he's old and, uh, he's like, only, she's only 40. No, I love my older brother. He's great. He was in, very helpful in my, in my sobriety and, yeah. and very supportive. Um, if you're listening, if he's listening, I'll probably want to tell him about this because he's going to give me shit about doing it. Um, so he um, so anyway, like that all happened. And then that kind of got into um, my the first time I ever had. I did not drink. My dad drank a lot. And there was a lot of alcohol in with my dad and the family, a lot of alcoholism, a lot of alcohol in the culture. I saw a lot of things um, that alcohol did and, and created kind of turmoil in the family. Um, a lot of fighting, a lot of just not getting along with one another. Um, and I could see, what I could see was the alcohol that caused it, right? As a kid, you don't know, I, I don't know why my parents fought, but I know that my dad got drunk and then my parents fought, right? So that's what I saw. Mm -hmm. I saw alcohol do something that created something. It was a very easy, all right, cause and effect kind of deal. Like, 
I don't know why they fought, but I know that my dad drank and it felt like that's what was causing it, right? So I had sworn off, like I was never going to drink. I'm never going to drink. And then I got to like my late teens and uh, I really became a little rebellious. I started listening to like, uh, like punk and listen to like this music, you know, like I started hanging out with these different people and like that kind of got me in this rebellious mood. And um, one of my favorite bands still to this day, Rage Against the Machine, I was like, you know what, fuck everybody, right? <laughs> so like I got into this mindset and um, I was at a uh, baseball game and we the, it was the A's and uh, it was opening night. And then the, uh, the first time um, me and my buddy Kevin, who I was friends with, um, who happened to be a very popular kid, you know, he was voted class clown over high school. Uh, he was on the basketball team, a tall dude. Uh, like he got all the girls, but he was him and I were friends. And it was just like this very odd, like I was just this one-off friend that he had that just did not fit in any of the other categories of friends he had. And it was really weird. And I, I still to this day don't get why we were friends, but we were. And he was cool, and I you know still talk to him to this day. Um, well, anyway, like he was like, "Yo, we should call my older brother, and he can get us some alcohol." And this dude's older brother was super fucking cool, right? <laughs> like he was like the epitome of what cool was, right? Like, and for me, another thing was like I saw cool, I saw attractive. All those things to me were through the lens of like a, a of a white America, right? And I grew up in a in a in a country where you were attractive if you were white and male, um, white or female, and um. But you like there weren't that many colored people on TV, let alone Indian people on TV, yeah. right? It was you know we you see it a lot today. What they you talk about the diversity and the the representation. Well, back in the nineties, like that didn't it was exist. Only white folks on right. TV. So like, I always kind of um, you know I was holding myself to standards that I wasn't never gonna meet because I was ever yeah. ever right because literally will never look like these yeah. people. And that was something that kind of fueled this, like, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not attractive enough. Yeah. Um, being attractive enough is something that I struggle with a lot, even today, right? Like, um, so. It's anyway. funny. I'll say real quick. I, I used to have this recurring dream. And in this dream, I looked exactly like Zach Morris. Dude, right. Like, when you think of, like, <laughs> like perfect hair. You had the blonde. Right. Perfect hair. The, the, the hot cheerleader girlfriend. <laughs> exactly. And, like, and, that's, that, that, and that's who I... I, I don't know if I saw myself that way, but I, I always thought that I would grow up to be that. Right. You right. know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, those are the TV shows we were watching, right? Yeah, yeah. Saved by the Bell. Um, you're watching all those shows. And like for, I mean, even I, I mentioned Saved by the Bell and I think of that, the block of TV that used to be on, it was like step by step, full yeah. house. But look at Slater. Slater was, you know. Oh, he, he's Hispanic, but yeah. like, you know, like, <laughs> it was AC Slater, right? Like what? I mean, there was no like real represent his his name his real if you knew his real name then you knew right yeah. like you knew Mario Lopez yeah. but like yeah, his he, name was AC Slater. Slater yeah you're right show. I never thought about that right. they didn't give him a Hispanic name nah. right they gave him those ridiculous pants though right yeah. <laughs> nobody forgets those so like you um so that was another thing so like this guy this my friend's older brother was like the epitome of what like good looking was right he was like um he had tattoos and I was like oh my god this guy's so cool. So I remember calling him. I was like, hey, uh, this is Naylan. Uh, I'm Kevin's Indian friend. And I don't know what else to say. Or how else to... He's like, yeah, I know who you are. I was like, in my head, I was like, yes, he knows, yeah. I, he knows I exist. 
And uh, so like, I was like, I was wondering if you'd come over and buy some alcohol and he laughs and he's like, okay. And then he meets us at this, uh, I can't remember the name of the liquor store. It's a very popular liquor store where we grew up, buys us some alcohol. It's Mad Dog 2020. And, and I why went, didn't he call him? Why didn't your friend call so him? So I don't, weird. I don't know if he like, so my friend also was kind of a good kid. Right. Uh-huh. So I think it was more of a, like, I don't want my brother to yell at me kind of deal. Yeah. I don't know. Or actually. He, he thought maybe that like, if, if, if somebody is, if his friend asked, he'd be more right. likely to say yes. Or yeah, something. yeah. I mean, I don't really know why I did it. And, uh, I'm, I'm shocked that he actually got, cause I was such a nervous kid. I was, I would, I mean, I'm still nervous now, but like, I was a really nervous kid, like fucking <laughs> like, super nervous. Um, much more so than I am now. And um, so he comes over, he buys us the alcohol, we drink the alcohol, we throw up, and, you know, like, it's disgusting. But we had so much fun. At least I remember having a lot of fun. And that was the first time where I was like, whoa, I can have, like, fun and fit in and feel cool. Because everything surrounding all that that happened was like, oh, he he knows who I am. Like, we're hanging out with this cool guy. Because when we were, like, hanging out at his house, like, he didn't want anything to do with us, right? We were his nerdy little kids, like, you know, um brother's friends and um so like all these things just kind of created this scenario of like oh wow alcohol is what makes things cool so like i did that for a little bit right i drank alcohol started feeling cooler um i felt like i was starting to come into my own but it had to do with alcohol and then shortly after what ended up happening and then what kind of derailed everything and all the plans i ever had was i was uh introduced into uh to drugs to, to crystal meth and uh that was very very quickly after my first drink um like six months six to eight months later and that kind of set me on a new path of being a um i was drinking a lot and continued to drink a lot but i was also doing crystal meth which nobody knew about like my friends didn't know about how'd you get into this somebody offered it to me and um they were like, hey, you want to try something? And I remember when they asked me, um, I don't want to say who it is, uh, you know, protect this person's uh, identity, but they, um, we were in a car, they offered it to me, and I remember the reason I said yes was because I had just, like, told my parents that I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to go to junior college, and I'll go to this different route. They were so upset that I wasn't going to college, and there was a lot of turmoil. They also wouldn't let me get a job, right? Then my parents wouldn't let me work, and, like, I felt like they were controlling me by using money as a way to like, hey, you live like it was always like you lived in our home, follow our rules. We pay for everything. I was like, well, then I'll go get a job. I'll pay for my own shit. And they wouldn't let me get a job. Mm. And so there's a lot of like, I hate my parents right now. And uh, so this thing was, was offered to me and I said, yes, instantly hooked, like instantly hooked. And uh it started off very, very um, sporadically that I did it, like maybe once a month. And I did enough. When I mean, you do crystal meth, like doing it once a month is kind of a lot. And uh, you stay up for a few days and then started doing it with people um, that I had no idea that were doing it. But they were like kind of the cool crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, then I started. And how old were you here? So I was 18. Okay. 18 years old. So that, um, still towards the end of high school or at high school? I was out of high school. Okay. So I graduated at 17 and then I was out of high school. So I was trying to go to junior college, but I couldn't because I couldn't go to class. So, you know, I hear a lot of people tell their story and they finish college while that on drugs. That always blows my mind. Me too. I, people that can do that. Like, like yeah, I got my master's, right. but mm-hmm. still drinking like a maniac. Not me. <laughs> you know what I was doing? I was uh, awake being fucking crazy. 
and then sleeping for two or three days and then was like, fuck it, I'm not going to go to class. Or I would just randomly show up to class, have missed, you know, two weeks and have no idea what's happening. Yeah. So I ended up withdrawing a lot. And back then, like school was cheap. It was in the Bay Area. Like, I don't feel like I paid for all my school. Also, at this time, had a job. I got a couple of, uh, I had a DUI. Uh, my mom got me a job at her job where she worked for this clinic. And um, a lot of people there saw my kind of um, unraveling. But they all thought it was because I was drinking too much. And I create, I wanted them to think that because yeah. I did not want them to think I was a drug addict. Yeah. It's what weird how, like, I'll reveal, I'll reveal something that, <clears throat> that you know, typically you don't want to reveal. Right. If somebody, reveals, if somebody reveals something to you willingly that yeah. they they probably wish wouldn't necessarily usually, it's probably a, de- a, a bigger right. secret behind it. So that's crazy you bring that up <laughs> because that is literally how I operated early yeah. on for so long. I would tell people, like, these crazy things that were I was doing. Uh-huh. So then it, for, I felt like what I was doing was, like, people were suspicious so I needed to tell them something. Okay. I needed I needed to give them something. Yeah. So uh-huh. I would tell them some like bombshell shit. <laughs> but it wasn't the the thing that I was worried about them finding out that I yeah. was a meth addict. So I'd tell them like I've, I've been drinking, I've been drinking and driving, I've been uh, you know like like that's problematic too, friend. You know right. What I mean? that's what so <laughs> right like so, but then they would be like, all right, like you know maybe he's just going through a phase. So people were like worried about me yeah. and just worried that I was like going through something or maybe yeah. like. He'll grow out of it, yeah. kind of deal. I guess alcohol is less alarming. So right. So that. people are like, right, because I can tell. I mean, I'll, I'm proof <laughs> that I could tell everyone in the world that I'm drinking too much. I'm going out and getting drunk. I was sleeping in my car, coming to work in the same clothes. I did that often. And people are like, yeah, he's gonna be okay. Yeah, it's a phase. <laughs> He'll be okay. <laughs> and also, a lot of times, because I didn't look fucked up, like yeah. physically, I look like a nice little. Indian kid, right? Mm-hmm. That like most people don't notice that no one really saw me. I wasn't like I was never mean to people. I wasn't really that like bad to people. And you know, I did my job well. So all the while I was doing like literally meth all the time. I always had a pipe in my pocket and drugs on me. Yeah, all the time. So you, you, you. How quickly did you graduate to smoking it? That was the first time I ever did it. The first time? You yeah. Smashed. Wow. It was the only, like, it was the exclusively almost how I did it. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'd have to do it other way, ways if, like, we ran out of uh, lighter, if we didn't have a lighter. Yeah. Or if our pipe broke. Like, I would have my drug dealer come to my place of employment, and I would pay him extra to bring me a pipe. Yeah. And, like, I had, so also back then, the, the, the people who dealt it were, um, the uh, Nortenos, right? <laughs> the Mexican gangsters. Uh, if if any of you listening out there know what I look like, I don't hang out with gangsters. You know, I'm not a guy that should be associating <laughs> with uh, so Mexican be- gangsters. <laughs> so, but they all loved me because one, I wasn't gonna try to shoot them. Yeah. Two, I wore a shirt and tie all the time. And three, I always had money. Yeah. Like I had, a, I made really good money. So I was there. Like, I I always used to say I'm their ideal customer. Like yeah. I'm not coming around knocking at two a.m. Here's 200 bucks. Give me what I need. Have it when I need it. So because of this, when I found a drug dealer, I needed that drug dealer to stay with me. So if they got in trouble, I would bail them out of jail. So I bailed drug dealers out of jail (laughs) because I didn't want to go find like another drug. That's crazy. Yeah, because like it's I don't know how to like go about asking people for drugs. That wasn't like my thing. I'm like that. I don't. it was I was living in a world that I didn't even fit in. Like yeah. I wasn't 
I was not part of that that uh, scene. So um, all the while, so I'm like becoming worse and worse. I'm losing a lot of weight. I was at like 110. I was like God, 20, 23 years old. Thought I looked sexy as shit. Um, I had a six pack. Let's be real. It was pretty sexy. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, like, I, I realized I look like a fucking ghost and people started noticing 110 it. pounds and you're what? Six foot? Thanks, but uh, 5'10". <laughs> Apparently, I'm not 5'10". Someone uh, measured me the other day uh-huh. and crushed my dreams. I'm oh. like 5'9". So, yeah. 5'9 and a mm. quarter or some shit? Yeah, well, I'm so, it's, it's 5'10 on my license, so that's what we're yeah. going to go oh, with. Oh, fine. Let's go 5'10". Even at 5'9 and 110 pounds, you're yeah. a skeleton. Yeah, it was bad. It was yeah. bad. And then I was always like, well, I'm always really skinny anyway. And, uh, well, not that skinny, right? Yeah. So... Got worse, got worse, got worse, and then I decided I needed some help, right? Like I lost my job, lost a girlfriend, lost a lot of um, a lot of things, and um, so I decided um, that we were. I was gonna make a move, and I was gonna move to. Um, uh, I was gonna move to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So I was like, it wasn't like a decision I made. I didn't pick New Orleans. I I decided I was gonna move. It was gonna be Seattle or New Orleans. The and reason, why? And why <clears throat> Seattle? Because I was a big Seattle Mariners fan, and I loved Ken Griffey Jr. because of a oh, baseball yeah. video Griffey. game. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I wanted to like I'd been up. You there. were good at that game, Home Run Derby. You I just fucking loved them. that. Yeah, I loved that game. Um, <laughs> I was not very good. My one of my best friends was good at it, and oh. I would go to play at his house, and he would just just demolish me. It was so discouraging. I threw a perfect game in that game once. It was a pretty amazing uh, uh, accomplishment. Um, I should put it on my resume. Yeah, actually, <laughs> <laughs> that would be a nice little tidbit. Right, a little, little tidbit. <laughs> they would like that. Um, so I decided it was going to be Seattle or um, New Orleans. Uh, I decided New Orleans got a cousin who lived here, and uh, he was close to my age, and he just got divorced. And he was like, "Dude, you got a like, free place to stay, and like, I would love the company." I didn't knew nothing about this city. I'd been here once, but I was here for a wedding, and I got really drunk. But I didn't know anything else about what I was getting myself into. And um, so I moved here, and I slowly found out that uh, drinking was what the city was about. So I moved uh, very close to Igor's on St. Charles and Jackson, and I found out that you can drink 24-7. So I did. I, you know, I was all I did was drink, and I became this huge bar guy, right? Like this, uh, not huge in like weight, but like that's what all I did. I made all these friends at bars. I made friends with bartenders. All of a sudden, people started finding me attractive. I was 25 years old, like kind of coming to my own. I had long, sexy hair. And um, <laughs> so I started like also like using women at this time to like, that was part of my thing now. Like I was like, yeah, I'm this cool guy. I get drunk and I meet chicks at bars and I and I go home with them. Like that was my thing. And I would like loved it like because that's what I, thought I always wanted to do, mm-hmm. right? So slowly what ended up happening was I started to do get introduced to the drug scene that comes with, um, you know, hanging out bars a lot. And that was a lot of cocaine. Um, To me, cocaine was okay and drinking was okay because it wasn't crystal meth. Right. So as long as I wasn't doing crystal meth, I was okay. That was what my that's how I thought I was a crystal meth addict. I'm allowed to drink and I'm allowed to do coke because all the cool kids are doing it. But you know what the cool kids aren't doing? crystal meth right um it's not a cool drug to do so i did this for a long time and i lost a lot of time here you know i i could have um a lot i could have grown a lot here and i i didn't i i stunted that growth by spending probably 80 percent of the time i lived here inside of a bar and i had a job um i was paying my bills and i had a girlfriend 
which is the things that I used to justify anything I was doing, right? So I still have a job, I still have a girlfriend, and I still have a place to live. I'm okay. The one thing that I wasn't telling people was that um, the girlfriend was going to leave me, and you know, most times she did. Um, and also was a, a, a dickhead and, and to the, to those girlfriends. Um, my parents were helping me with a lot of my financial um, needs because I was spending a lot of money. And then um, the job was just a job I had. Like it was making very minimum amount of money and just was going to lead me nowhere. So this cycle continued. And then it was when I was... Uh, 31 years old, um, 30 years old, really, where I got introduced back to the crystal meth. And uh, in this town, it came with a little bit more of a riskier behavior. And I was starting to to have to do things and, and be part of things that I didn't necessarily want to be part of, but it was how I got as a way to get the drugs. So, um, the, you know, I was like, I would end up you know, calling the person I knew my connection and then I'd disappear for like four or five days and just be gone and no one would know where I was. Mm -hmm. And then the girlfriend at the time would then call my like family and be like, I don't know where Nalen is. He's like, he could be fucking dead. And then I get pissed off at her (laughs) for like thinking that. Like why? Like he's a missing person. (laughs) How dare you do that? And I had to like, you know, like fucking tell them all like that I've been making some shit up. I would always make something up. I got hung over. I got too drunk and uh, hung over. And I lost my phone. That was my go-to excuse, right? And um, did it all the time. And I was like, I can't continue to do this. I can't continue to live this life. So I ended up um, one day having this, uh, I, I tell this, you know, this is how it really happened. Is Nothing happened. Nothing bad happened in terms of like the law or anything um, for this, for me to want to get clean. Um, what happened was I just thought of myself in the future as like a 40-year-old, um, my brother's age now, um, <laughs> with two kids, like my brother does at this age, and uh, married, and like thinking, how would it look to my wife and my children if I just disappeared for like three or four days? Like, that's fucked up, right? Like, that's not the kind of life I want. So I was like, I got to get some help. So I started making some phone calls, and uh, I thought the help that I needed was like psychiatric help right I was like crazy right and if I could just stop doing the crystal meth then I'd be okay again it was just the crystal meth that I had the problem with so uh, I started making some phone calls and uh, got myself into an outpatient treatment program and uh, the the I went in for like an intake thing on a Friday partied really hard that weekend told everyone I partied with that I was going into rehab on Monday <laughs> I went had a amazing like group session it was like one of the best things ever. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I get to talk about my feelings, which I never really did. Um, it was just like really like this is amazing. And I felt so good that the only way I knew how to celebrate that <laughs> was to get high. So I went and got high that night. And uh, that sort of kind of started a, a path of what that first month of recovery looked like for me was uh, quote-unquote recovery because I was not uh, sober. I kept using because I didn't know how else to like – do it you know and it wasn't until um april 25th of 2016 where i got high for the last time and it just stopped working like the solution that i once had just stopped working so you just made three years yeah so my three-year uh um sobriety date was on friday wow this past friday 
Congrats. and uh, thank you. So, um, yeah, it's crazy to think three years ago, you know, a little more than three years ago was the last time I ever had uh, put any any substance that wasn't supposed to be in my body in my body. Nice. So, yeah. All right. Well, cool. That's probably the that is the the perfect place to right. stop and take a break. Uh, we'll be right back. Yeah. All right, we're back from break. <laughs> dun dun dun. All right, so Nayland. The thrilling conclusion. <laughs> yeah, thrilling. I'm on the edge of my seat, right. quite literally. Well, I got sober. <laughs> that was the three, end. The All end. right. That so was three years hey, ago. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, man. you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Good luck to y'all out there. If you want to know how to get sober, just do it. Yeah, um, that's it. Just kidding. There's a lot of work that is involved, but it's not as hard as you think. So, um,. I guess I just continue, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. I don't have much guidance here. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, just continue from where you are going to let off, man. So just, now you get sober, tell me the story of your sobriety. I just fucking tell me how it's been. Um, uh, t- you know, finish it with, like, what you're doing now wisdom. today. Yeah, um, or not. Right. Probably. Every, <laughs> I mean, I got a lot of wisdom, I think. Um, it's just no one notices me <laughs> enough to, for me to be it's able quiet, to share it. quiet unassuming wisdom yeah so uh anyway so like back to um i guess you know i went to this treatment thing and uh continued to use while i was there and um i was kind of actually kind of an asshole while i was there too because i just thought i knew everything um which was another thing that kind of went along while i was using so i remember they told me um they called and they said hey we can't help you if you continue to use and you might be better off inpatient well, that wasn't an option for me. I had just adopted a dog because I was really lonely. My girlfriend had uh, broke up with me. It was just me. I was like, I wasn't. Ha- I had no more friends because they're all bar people. Um, I had not made any real friends here, and the only friends that I had were back home in the Bay Area, um, who I wasn't communicating with that often. So, like, felt incredibly lonely. Um, so. I, I decided to cure the loneliness. I, I adopted a dog, you know, and I was like, that's going to be the answer in sobriety. Everyone told me not to. They said, get a plant. And I was like, well, I'm going to kill the plant. Um, Better if you kill a dog. <laughs> that, uh, I guess that's the, uh, yeah, that's, um, I did not think about that. I didn't think I was going to kill the dog. Um, yeah, that's the inference there, right? So um, <laughs> the uh, I got a dog, beautiful dog. Her name is Pepper. And I credit her for, like, keeping me sober. Um, and what she did for me was like, give me a reason to wake up in the morning. So I had to take her out. Um, it got me walking. It got me like the interaction, interacting with people besides people at work. Um, and it was, uh, it was, she was good for me. It was great. So they said, um, I begged them to like, not kick me out, you know, not to like, give me one more chance. They're like, all right, you, you can't use anymore. And that was, uh, that was the 26th of April, right. When that happened. Um, so I decided this time around, I was just going to go and just shut up and listen to what people were saying. And during that, um, what happened was I was, uh, finally for the first time, instead of telling people a lot of like what I use as justifications for my drinking and using was this idea that like, if you had gone through me, what I had gone through, if you grew up the way I grew up, if you felt as different as I felt, if you were um, 
all these, if you were me or in my shoes, then you would understand why I do what I do, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I'm the only one who thinks that, right? We all have those, uh, we, ju- we justify what we do by saying that. So in one of the meetings, <clears throat> um, the groups, in, in the IOP, um, I heard somebody who was as different as me as I could imagine. In fact, this person was what who someone I could look at and think they don't have any issues because they were attractive, um, had a lot of money um, because they're, they're, they didn't have to work. Their husband had a lot of money and um, had everything they could ever want, right? You know, there was, what do they have to complain about? And she told this story about um, the way she felt, right, on like a daily basis. And it was almost exactly the way I felt in terms of like not wanting to get out of bed and just feeling like you want to sleep all day and not feeling good enough and not feeling worthy enough. And like all those things she had was a reason she felt not a part of. And I was like, whoa, like that's insane. This person who I think has everything that I think that I need to feel better has it and feels the same way I do. And then just something at that moment was like, holy shit, maybe it's just so listening to people more and seeing how I can relate to people. And maybe it wasn't that, you know, I probably didn't think it like that back then, but that's basically what I had decided that I was going to do. So um, I did. I started listening. I started listening to the counselors. I started doing the assignments they asked me to do. And just getting in touch with like who I who I was and who I uh, who like all these feelings that I was having and talking about them and like being open and honest about them and like rather than like looking for why I was not like other people like looking at how I was like other people right so all these things all these um, all these things that once I used to look at as differences I started looking past them and looking how I can relate with people right looking past skin color looking past the amount of money someone made, looking past how successful people were, looking past um, how people looked, right? And, like, mm. just looking, like, inside of people and, like, s- seeing how we related in that way. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's just, cool, like, because, like, from your your youth, you were always trying to see what you could do right. to become like somebody right. else. Instead, now you're, all, you're, 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 you're seeing how you're already like the other person. A- absolutely. Without having to do anything. Right. You know, and, like, the reality is, like, we are more alike people. Mm-hmm. all of us then we give ourselves credit like we've created all these differences we've created ways to like be different you know we've created um you know there's the different brackets of like wealth we have right the um the kind of degrees we get there's all these like ways of like separating us from each other and the reality is we're all human beings who all suffer at some point in our lives or all happy at some point in our lives and all go through things and uh we just don't talk about those things right and that's what recovery has given me is a place mm-hmm. to do that so what that outpatient thing did was um that's bigger than anything the, the the big the 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 thing they could have done that uh i wouldn't have found otherwise was introduce me to um aa mm-hmm. um i went to an aa meeting um with them they took me there and i would have otherwise never gone i um to that point only knew of aa as to be a place for alcoholics who were, you know, like the portrayal of, people say this all the time, but like yeah. old white people, right? Um, and that's because of like what was typically portrayed on television back then was like old white people sitting around uh, and uh, talking about their days. So um, the meeting I went to was not like that. It was a lot of young people. It was a young people's meeting. And um, 
I was even though like very intimidated by the meeting and very nervous, nervous kid, even more so nervous now that I wasn't using drugs and alcohol to mask that. Um, I saw people like be able to talk about how they felt, and it 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 planted something inside of me that made me like, okay, there there's po- there's a possibility here, you know. So my first year of sobriety was difficult. Um, I still had trouble because there were some other things I was dealing with. I was still dealing with my like really bad depression, really bad anxiety, and then just coming to grips with like who I was, right? Telling my family that I was uh, a drug addict and I was in recovery. That to them was shocking, though I I know they knew, but I think they're, um, you know, you, you you tell your parents that, I think they think, like, somehow they failed. Yeah, right? what did I do wrong? And, right, you know, and, and you don't want, and that wasn't my intention, um, so that created a little bit of a barrier with my relationship with my family. Um, but the one person in my family who was super supportive was my older brother, who, uh, yeah was given a little bit of shit earlier but uh (laughs) the reality was he was incredibly supportive and we talked all the time he talked every day told me how proud of uh, of me he was which is something our family didn't do much of right and um just told me to keep my head up and i was able to share with them things that i you know i started to get this relationship with an older brother that i always wanted right Mm -hmm. and i didn't have we were six years apart and it just felt like we couldn't have the extra relationship so first year sobriety was a little bit was a little tough I was having trouble still making friends, um, but part of that was because I wasn't putting myself out there again. I was like a kind of a Ninja. quiet, quiet guy. I didn't talk to people Ninja in meetings. Nailing. Yeah, I would just go and then kind of leave and just I I didn't mean to, but I think I I gave off an, impre- an impression that I don't want to be bothered kind of deal, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't the case. I was just really nervous, you know. And uh, I also created a life where I didn't do anything. You know, I was very very safe. Um, I was. Going to a meeting, which is my home group, uh, which was a Saturday meeting that I went to, um, which got me out of the house for um, on a Saturday night, which is super important to me in early recovery because otherwise I would have been at home just like sad, right? So um, that's when I started to like hang out with people and sort of like get this fellowship and, and create this community and this community that I was always searching for, always looking for this community when I was a kid, looking for this community when I was a teenager. And found those communities, but found them, like, through unhealthy means, right? So now I found this community where all they did was care about whether or not I was was sober. And uh, maybe they didn't even care about that. But they just, you know, like, they asked me how I was feeling. And we talked and we laughed. We had so much fun. And it was such a great, like, feeling that this is what I wanted. Um, Throughout all that, I I was working. So I do, um, you know, I do the, I I follow the AA Fellowship. That's the, the program that I use. And I did the 12 Steps. Um, but I didn't do them maybe the best of my ability. I did them enough to get by, I think, you know? Um, so I had a sponsor, I had a couple of sponsors early on and, um, the doing that and going through that process was a little eye opening to me too. And, and, and for me, the big one was the amends process. Um, making amends was like a real amends to people was probably one of the most, um, just humbling experiences I've ever had. Um, the biggest one being to my parents and um, letting them know that this wasn't their fault, right? Mm. What happened to me in terms of like the, the route I chose to take in using drugs and alcohol to be my coping mechanisms weren't their fault. Mm. And that like there was just something that created. 
and you know i kind of do- i didn't want to do an amends to them because i kept telling my sponsor i was like well they're just gonna um i know how they're gonna react they're just gonna say oh it's okay it's okay like how they've always reacted right yeah they're gonna say it's okay it's okay do you need any money right mm-hmm. like that's what they're gonna do um they did not react like that they were actually really engaged in the conversation we had um they were like openly speaking my dad was you know my dad grew up in a um grew up the way he he raised us was uh men don't share emotions or you're a man you don't like that's not the way you act and um he was like really emotional first time i've seen him you know emotional like that my mom was like really supportive and loving it just uh, something i'd never seen it and would have never been able to experience if i had not made that amends to them mm, you know and it was just good to make amends to people that i've hurt um i'd hurt a lot of people in ways that i even like kind of told myself I hadn't done right I'd done some pretty shitty things to people mostly women past relationships so it's good to like really like tell people like those people hey I I fucked up and I and I I harmed you like what can I do to make it better right Mm. and I've always had a positive response and people really proud um you know I think they're very very happy that uh I think most people knew I needed some help like it wasn't a big secret you know (laughs) Again, I kept the, you know, I told everyone, everyone knew I drank, and I don't care about the drinking. Um, so some people were a little stunned about the drug use, but um, it's been a, a, <laughs> a positive experience in, uh, in, uh, in with the, all the amends and all that. So it's been a pretty cool thing, and I think uh, for me now, like, recovery is, uh, it's just, it's given me something that I just, I can't explain, right? Like, now when something goes wrong in my, in my life, and, uh, Believe me, a lot of things do. I do continue to uh, fuck up in ways that I think I shouldn't at three years sober. You know, mm-hmm. that's something I struggle with. Thinking that uh, I still struggle with a lot of the things that I struggle with before I put introduce drugs and alcohol into my yeah. body. Right? Um, those things have not been cured. So the idea that like now that I don't drink and, and and do drugs, my life is perfect is as far from the truth as you know as possible. Like my life is a lot better. Yeah. You know, I'm no longer. Um, covering my windows with blankets, um, awake for five days and like living like a fucking disgusting piece of shit. Um, now like I'm, you know, I have a job. I, my career's going well, school's going well. I've got things like happening. I'm meeting new people. I'm starting relationships. I'm ending relationships. Like I'm doing a lot of those things, but they come, like I still do things that I think like, well, this is like stuff that I did before I got, Mm. you know, I started drinking and using and, um, what I can do now is like call somebody, right? Like sounds so simple. And, and there's people out there who are like, well, I can call people too. But yeah. for me, that was <laughs> such a difficult thing because I was much rather yeah. sit with that feeling yeah. and like let that fester in my head until I went fucking crazy. Yeah. And then like be like, I got to get, I got to shut this shit up. Right. And there's two ways to do that. There was shoot myself or there was like get drunk yeah. or get high. Right. Um, Usually I chose, <laughs> not usually, all the time. I did not try to shoot you myself. How many times did you shoot yourself? <laughs> I was just a bad yeah. shot. I'm, I'm scared of guns, too. So. Yeah. Well, it's funny because the, 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 what changes is, so yeah, you, life doesn't get perfect. No. Right. Um, I don't get perfect. No, fuck no. So I still have like weird impulses and thoughts and, 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 and I fall short. But it, in our literature, it says uh, we've experienced a profound alteration in our reaction right. to life. Right. Because you know, life 
happens. Right, absolutely. <laughs> you know? to happen, right? And but my reaction is much different. So it's like I don't have to go use drink, drug. I don't right. have to give in to the impulse. I don't always like sometimes I do, right? right. Uh, but what do I do after that? Do I continue down that path? No, I react differently. My 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 a lot of times my impulse will be call. Right. Stop. Right. Stop. Just stopping is such a right. fucking powerful tool. Right. <laughs> right. And you know, like the the back in the day when I was still using like I would say, all right, the the moment I made a, a poor decision, mm-hmm. that one poor decision was enough to just be like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to give up done. everything, done. all the work I've Throw done. It all the yep, way. That's it. Throw it all away. <laughs> and now I understand like I can still make poor decisions and I do and be like, okay, that's okay. I can have a little bit of compassion mm, for myself. That's it. Talk to some people and like, and, 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 and that's the, the key for me, I think. And like one of the, um, you know, one of the great things about like the friendship I have with you, right? And there's been times that I've gone through things, right? And I, I will come over here and sit here and just talk to you about it, right? And be able to say what I'm feeling and what I'm going through and have someone who I'm talking to say, well, I know that feeling because I've gone through that, yeah. right? And this is Without what I, judgment. Right. Yeah. And just like, yo, this is what I did when I did it, right? Like when I went through it. And almost, um, all, like basically without fail, Every time I've gone to somebody with something, they've been able to share a similar experience, right? Yeah, because that's what we do. Right. That's the, the powerful thing is you like, know, yeah. I no longer have to think that I'm like the only person going through this experience like I once did and no one else can relate. Mm-hmm. And that's why my life is miserable. And that's why you'll never understand. And that's why I'm doomed to this life of addiction. And, uh, you know, I used to think uh, my life would, I used to tell people all the time when I was a kid younger that, I'm definitely going to be dead by 25. It's because I'm going to kill myself, right? And then when 25 hit, it was, uh, you know, 30, right? Yeah. So I no longer have to think that, right? I I, I, I now know that, like, all right, this kind of sucks, and I feel shitty, and this, uh, you know, like, is an uncomfortable feeling, but I know that it's not going to be forever. It's not permanent, right? And, like, I, I know ways of making this feel, like, to, to make myself feel better, and uh, it's not drugs or alcohol. It's, like, going on a bike ride, right? Or going taking Pepper to the park or, you know, some very simple things that I had. I didn't have like the capacity to even think of those when I was uh, using back in the day. <laughs> um, I'm laughing because uh, Andy's making weird faces. <laughs> well, it's funny. Like, yeah. So, people slowly like back away from the mic yeah. until it's like, oh, no, no, that's you know what? That's just a sign of comfort. Yeah. The closer someone is, the more nervous they are. Yeah. And the further yeah. away they get, they're like, all right, relax. I got this shit. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I can be all the way back here. Yeah. You can hear me. <laughs> well, and then, and then, yeah, it's just uh, towards the end, you just kind of, it's funny how like when doing something like this, it's like, it's such a cool experience because you always, you get into like a flow yeah. of speaking and sharing and then you're, you kind of get into like a, like a flow state, yeah. you know? Uh, and it, it's it, it's weird because like I I, I noticed that like like the guests always kind of get into that by the end but and they're always like man this was great right this yeah. is awesome I, I had a good time and for me it's always a good time but I never obviously because I don't want to like speak too much right right you know so I never really get into that like like that flow where you're I always, feel uh, amazing but I always feel really good after right. these podcasts you're always ready to ready to say something powerful yeah. <laughs> On a whim. Um, 
you know this is, no it feels good it feels good it always feels good to like this is the thing this is the beauty about this whole mm-hmm. thing right it's like sharing your story sharing your experience with people whether um you know i have no idea who's going to listen to this but i hope when people do listen to it that they hear something right mm-hmm. or they just can hear even if it's just like you know this guy like he the person talking right now sounds like they like he he goes through those things that i'm going through like yeah fuck yeah like yeah. and here i am like doing a fucking podcast right yeah. i was nervous like who's <laughs> gonna listen to this thing and then i remember like well the guy that asked me barely remembered even meeting me ah. the first time so whoever <laughs> listens to this is gonna be like well, like you don't remember first meeting me either that's, that's goes both ways yeah. my friend but i do have a story about what i think may have been the first time i met you so uh. that counts I think someone once gave me your number when I was looking for a new sponsor. Oh, really? Yeah. But I didn't. I obviously didn't call it. Yeah. So. So I, I mean, I didn't have what you wanted. That's fine. Yeah. Well, I also didn't know who you were. So <laughs> that was, that was like, you intuitively knew that you didn't yeah. want. Uh, who I, knows? <laughs> where, where our lives would have been if you had been my sponsor. Yeah. Fuck. Nah, fuck it. I like this relationship yeah. better. Maybe. Well, been, or not. Who whatever. knows? We'll never know. You know. I mean, I'll sponsor you. Maybe you'll sponsor me. That would be pretty crazy. Yeah. That'd be pretty intense. What is it they say? Uh, be careful how you treat a newcomer. They may be your sponsor one day. Do they say that? I've heard that said. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> that's, that's hanging on someone's bathroom. You know, it's funny because, well, maybe. So, like, my my original sponsor, you know, had, a, you know, some troubles and went back out and then, for a second, I thought I was going to start sponsoring him, which would have been incredibly weird. And it didn't happen. And right. I w- it would have like, but I, I, it would have just felt really like strange to me. They know? should, they should uh, somehow put that in, you know, let's make that a rule. Right? <laughs> that if you're sponsoring someone and you go back out, that you have your first sponsor back has, has to be to the be, person has you're to be sponsoring. One of your old sponsees. Yeah. And if you have more yeah. than one sponsee, you have to pick the one that has the least amount of time. Oh wow, that's humbling. It could be. Yeah. It would be. Hum- it, it would have been. It probably would have been great for him if he would have been like, yeah, sponsor me. Yeah. And it'd have been a great like sign of like his own like like admitting of defeat and right. and, and very humbling to ask yeah. the, you know your old student to be to your be master. The, yeah, right. <laughs> I think <laughs> I don't even know where we're going. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're coming up with ideas. We're trying to be creative here. We're trying to look for solutions yeah. for uh, problems that may not even exist. Yeah. That's how spiritual we become. <laughs> we're the most spiritual people. We're definitely the room. most spiritual people in this room. Yeah, definitely. That's for sure. That's like a fact. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing I've said is untrue right now, including yeah. that statement. It is definitely uh, a fact. Because nobody else is in here, by the way. It's yeah. just for people to listen. At least we don't think so. <laughs> and if there is, then we're definitely more spiritual than them. Maybe. Who well, knows? You know? Maybe they're so humble that they're just like, I don't have to make myself known. Hmm. Or they're robbing us. <laughs> One of the two. All right. So, 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 all right. So, we're good. I think we're good, right? So, look. I'll ask one question. Uh, and then maybe we, and we'll close out. Okay. Um. So you're three years sober. You're going to a meeting, and let's say you, let's say, <laughs> you say you're dry, you're riding your bike and you ride your bike through a wormhole that brings <laughs> you back to, to April twenty sixth of two thousand sixteen, and you happen upon yourself, uh, and you can't recognize. Your, your 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 earlier self can't recognize your new self because you're just beaming with the love mm-hmm. of life. 
And also I'm riding a bike. the light which, of love. Old me would have <laughs> never fucking done. And, uh, and you had the opportunity to tell that guy one thing. What would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. I wish I'd listened to other podcasts. Is that what you asked them? So I typically ask that. Sometimes I don't. But ooh, what would I tell them? What would yeah. I tell old me? Just think about like what, what would you or what would you tell? I mean, the guy who comes in, right? The new guy who comes in. Like, what is the th- one thing? And I and I and I ask people, what would you ask yourself specifically? Because I feel like you'll have like something that's you know. Well, right now with like things that are happening in my life, what I I think would be into the mic, please. Sorry. It's <laughs> like speaking at the ceiling. <laughs> I'm on the well, you're thinking, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know, like, any more profound way to say it, but just, like, don't give up, right? Like, I, for me personally, giving up is such an easy option mm. for me, right? It is, I want to give up when things get tough. I want to give up when things get uncomfortable. I want to give up when things don't go my way. I want to give up when... I think things won't go my way. Um, it's the path of least resistance. Right. It's yeah. just, it's so like, that was what I did. That's what I, I, I find myself even now, like at times, like thinking, well, I just give up, right? And my give up doesn't look as dramatic as it once did, but it's still giving up nonetheless, mm-hmm. right? So it I, still seems like an appealing option to just say, fuck it. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I'm like, I'm not like, and by, like, I'm not saying I'll say, fuck it, I'm going to go drink. Right, but it doesn't have to start that way. It'll be right. fuck it. I'll just go home and watch Netflix every right. night and eat right. ice cream. Fuck and it, just, and, and shut the world right. out. That's one thing I love doing too. When I'm yeah. sad, it's like I fucking binge eat ice cream mm. and watch uh, Sabrina on fucking Teenage Netflix. Teenage Witch. Yeah, the new one is pretty cool. It's oh. pretty dark. So <laughs> let me just get some uh, street cred out there. It's not that old one. It's the new shit. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just like that kind of give up, right? Instead of like going to a meeting instead of calling someone mm. instead of returning a phone call yeah. or returning a text message or instead of like praying or meditating like not doing it giving up and and being like fuck it i'm yeah things are too bad it's not gonna work kind yeah. of deal. so i think it would be that it's, it's to not give up and i um yeah it's I, that's probably what i would tell um myself back then right so what yeah. would you tell yourself today don't give up don't give up yeah <laughs> don't give up and with uh no i mean like in in all reality like don't give up i think some you know as my life has got um dude sobriety being in recovery is the greatest thing i could have ever asked for i i think that there is something about so i think i i quickly forget this because i i i hang out with a lot of people in sobriety um a lot of my friends are in recovery a lot of the things i do are recovery um you know revolve around recovery not in, not in a way that's like my entire life, but like that's just how I've made friends. That's how I've got to know people. Yeah. But sometimes I forget like what we're doing in recovery, how special and how difficult it is. You know, mm-hmm. I um, you know, you hang out with people who uh, I imagine if you're like a football player, right, and you hang out with people who are the stars on their team all the time, and you're a third string person, you're like, well, I fucking suck, right? Like. But you're in the NFL still, right? Mm-hmm. Like the very small percentage of humans are in the NFL, or even have like the ability to be in the NFL. Yeah. And I think sometimes I get, I just made that up, that whole thing up right now in my head. So it, forgive me if it wasn't a great one. <laughs> um, but um, but sometimes I think that, right? I think like, I forget what I'm do- like, 
like the stuff that I'm doing right now, just being sober and staying clean and sober after having a 15 year addiction, like how difficult that is. And regardless of like, I still want to have a good life and a a fulfilling life, but like sometimes bringing it back, like I'm still clean and sober today. You know, they, they tell you that, remember that, like I didn't drink or use today. And a little bit more than three years ago, yeah. like that's what I did. You may be on special teams, but you're in the NFL, <laughs> right? Right, <laughs> basically, right. You're still in the NFL, and you're still doing something that's pretty remarkable. It is, you yeah. know. And I, I have to remind myself that, and I think that's um, the thing that I, I would tell myself today, and I would probably con- I have to continue telling myself is just yeah. don't give up. You and know? the thing is that what happens is like the longer you continue to re, re- recommit and and, and and continue to like devote yourself to this and do and, and and do the work and like over a long period of time sometimes big big changes happen pretty suddenly and profoundly but then like internally and externally right. but then a lot of times like the internal and external things are, are gradual and then you you do wake up and look look around and you're like well how did my life become right. this right what an amazing life i'm living right. and it's a, and, and and it's hard to see it in the moment absolutely when right. You know, when it, it giving up would seem like so much relief right. and just kind of like, oh, this has just become too much. Right. You know, you know and I'm always still looking for that instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and instant gratification can be easily achieved by just giving up. Right. The, yeah. It's not the best yeah, it thing. It feels good. Like I like I'm, I, the, the, the thought of like just giving up for some reason right now, as we've been talking about it, right. it just feels good. Yeah. Such a fucked up right. thing. I'm it like, is. Man, giving up sounds good right now. Yeah. I just wanna... <laughs> we're we're just fucked up, and we gotta you know make sure we check ourselves. Yeah. And, well, uh, I, I developed probably such a strong neural pathway towards like the feeling of relief I get when I quit something yeah. because I quit a lot of yeah. things. Yeah. So all right, cool, great answers, man. Awesome. Uh, thanks again for coming. Uh, thanks for being my friend. Awesome. Thanks for being my friend and asking me. All right. Thanks for being fucking one of the coolest people I know. Uh, now, okay. Well, all right. I'll accept that. <laughs> all right. I, it's, now it's on tape, right? Is this it's tape? on tape. I'm still yeah. recording. So. This is a tape. <laughs> Everyone heard that. All right. Peace out, homies.